The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Archaeology is often viewed as a fascinating, eclectic, and ultimately quaint pursuit. This program explores archaeology from the perspective of professionals who demonstrate that in the 21st century, archaeology and its sub-disciplines may hold the key not only to our past, but to our present and future. Welcome to Indiana Jones, Myth, Reality, and 21st Century Archaeology with your host, Dr. Joseph Schuldenrein. Spend the next hour exploring where we came from and where we're headed with a leading researcher and practitioner in the field. Now, here is Dr. Schuldenrein. Good evening, everybody. This is Joe Schuldenrein with another edition of Indiana Jones, Myth, Reality, and 21st Century Archaeology. Today's program is a little bit of a departure from some of the more thematic topics that we've been discussing, uh, but nevertheless a very, very important issue in bringing archaeology to, to the public. And as we have indicated on very many of the, our previous programs, that in the next a few decades, certainly the transmission of the archaeology message to the public will uh, be very, very critical in establishing a future roadway and pathway for archaeology as funds dry up in the pure research elements of, of our world, and we become increasingly dependent on public support to uh, continue with our programs and to continue advancing the cause of science and education in the next uh, certainly foreseeable future. So uh, with that said, we are very pleased to discuss a very interesting concept that has emerged relatively recently, and it is called International Archaeology Day. And uh, the individual that will be discussing this is uh, Dr. Ben Thomas, who is the director of programs for the Archaeological Institute of America, which is based in Boston. As you may know, we have done a previous program on the AIA, or the Archaeological Institute of America, uh, focusing on uh, my local chapter, which is New York City. But uh, the AIA is, in fact, an umbrella organization with many, many chapters around the world, actually, uh, in 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 the U.S. in the U.S. and North America generally, and and our guests will discuss the international the international reach of it. But uh, Dr. Thomas is uh, actually the program director of the AIA, and he is also an assistant professor in the liberal arts department at the Berkeley College of Music. As director of programs for the AIA, 
Uh, ben is responsible for the intra Institute's outreach activities, and that includes International Archaeology Day and the 118-year-old lecture program, the Site Preservation Program, and the 109 AIA local societies, and he's responsible for making decisions on grants, awards, and the membership process. I should note also that Ben is a, a Maya specialist with a specific interest in the ancient Maya geography and architecture. He received his PhD from Boston University after several years of fieldwork in the jungles and swamps of Belize and Guatemala. Recently has he been trying to understand how the ancient Maya perceived their landscape and how this perception impacted the development of their communities. At Berkeley, he introduces students to Mesoamerican art and archaeology and some of the great archaeological discoveries that have been made in the past 300 years. It's my special pleasure to welcome you, Dr. Thomas, to uh, our program. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you for having me, Joe. It's great to be here. Good. Well, let's start with International Archaeology Day. How did it get started? I understand it's very, very recent. And uh, how did you brainstorm and how did you get involved with the planning of this? International Archaeology Day, the first International Archaeology Day was 2011. So it is, yeah, very recent. Uh, this came about, we were, you know, the, the AIA since its inception in 1879 has had a very strong outreach mission. And so informing the general public about archaeology and archaeological discoveries has always been part of what we do. Uh, and we've done it in several different ways, through publications, through our annual meeting, uh, through uh, our, our local societies especially. Uh, but we were looking for some uh, larger uh, single event that could have a sort of national or nationwide focus. And so a couple of years ago, I came up with this idea of International Archaeology Day, uh, thinking that you know we could just we could we could we could just declare a celebration of archaeology uh, and get our uh, national office in Boston and our local societies around the country to participate and agree to host uh, events archaeologically themed events on that day. Uh, but and so we we thought of it you know in that sense as being kind of an AIA event. But as we started planning it, uh, we, you know we would talk to f uh, friends and colleagues in different organizations, different universities. And uh, there they, they seemed to be a sort of a, a much larger interest, an interest beyond the AIA. Uh, and so we decided to just go for it. And, uh, in the, you know, we uh, planned uh, October 22nd, 2011 as the first National Archaeology Day. We called as many people as we could. Uh, and uh, lo and behold, 14 other organizations joined us. Uh, 115 events were planned for the day. Uh, and we even worked with our local reps uh, in, in, in Boston and Massachusetts to get the day officially declared as, as Archaeology Day. Uh, by, 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 and so we got our reps to read it into the congressional record. Uh, and uh, that's how it started. 2011, we decided we're going to have a day to celebrate archaeology. Uh, and and uh, we went ahead and, and told people that's what we were doing. And, uh, and people joined. I'm stunned. I have to say, I'm absolutely stunned. First of all, getting Congress to do something is quite an amazing feat in and of itself, as we both know, at this point in time. And secondly, I mean, I heard about it last year already, and you must have mounted an enormous PR campaign. And my guess is, and you'll, I'm sure, correct me and, 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 and streamline this observation, you had to depend on the amazing capabilities of social media to do this, right? I mean, had to have a component there, no? It, 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 absolutely. And I'll say this. I mean, when we, when we 
approach, when I approached our executive director, then executive director, and said, I want to do this, and he said, go ahead, there was no budget. We had, I mean, we had not planned for this. So this was all done as our uh, uh, COO likes to say, our, our uh, uh, chief operating officer, he likes to call this guerrilla marketing, and that's kind of what we did. <laughs> we, we really leaned on our local societies and all our friends. We called in every favor we could. And we put it out there. But yeah, Facebook, Twitter, we've been doing a lot with, uh, we, we, as soon as we decided to do this, we set up a web page. Uh, we have a blog. We let people post their own events. We did all sorts of things to make it as interactive as possible. And then even on the end, and, and for the last couple of years, when we've been doing this, we've also sort of set up these virtual participation opportunities. So we do things like a scavenger hunt where people can uh, sort of, uh, you know, take part in these, well, we send them puzzles every week and they, and they can participate by you know, submitting their answers and, you know, following us. And so we, we try to make it as easy and as flexible and as uh, open as possible. Uh, and, and, and the only stipulation being that people who joined us uh, would have to do something archaeological that was publicly accessible uh, in and on or around uh, the, the, the 21st of October for that first, uh, for the first celebration. So when you say publicly accessible, that means a lecture or a series of events or some kind of a community-based operation. How does that work, and how did it work? Right, exactly. I mean, what you're saying, I mean, so we, we um, ultimately, or I should say, our, our primary goal for this, for Archaeology Day, was, it to, for, was for it to be a celebration of archaeology. There's this incredible fascination with the past and with archaeology, and we wanted to give people sort of a positive uh, event, a positive sort of uh, experience. And so, um, you know, when we reached out to folks, we said, you can do whatever your strength is. Play to your strength. If you're a museum, do a museum tour. If you're a university, do a lecture. If you have a lab, do an open house. Uh, we said, be complete, we were completely flexible with the kinds of events. The big thing was to say, this is archaeology. This is what archaeologists do. Archaeology is everywhere, uh, and you can you can participate. And so we had lectures, but we had people doing um, putting on full archaeology fairs, uh, these lab open houses, uh, definitely special tours of museums and exhibits. Uh, but we also had some film screenings. This year, actually, uh, we've got uh, two events that are uh, are canoe trips. Uh, but they're doing, uh, talking about the history of a couple of rivers, one in uh, uh, South Carolina, I think, and one in Massachusetts. But they're talking about the archaeology and the history of the area, you know, while they're canoeing down the river. So uh, people have been very creative, very flexible, uh, which I think is a testament both to the fact that there are a lot of creative people out there, but also that, 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 that the idea that a lot of people who are just involved and are doing a lot of great outreach which we don't typically hear about. So this was our opportunity to say, look, there's tons of stuff going on, a lot of people doing it. We need to just sort of give them a voice, give them a, a, a focal event, give them a way to get this out to everybody. Yeah, it just, it's overwhelming. I mean, I'm looking at these numbers, and this is an operation that has been in effect for, effect, for, for two, months, two years. That's it, right? Yeah. And you start out with 15,000, as far as my figures are, are uh, representing here, 15,000 in 2011 to over 60,000 in 2012. Yeah. And, you know, that's a fourfold increase. 
And if you continue to grow like this, I mean, this will be unprecedented in terms of, of trying to mount sort of an international effort mobilization in such a short period of time. It's, it's, it's quite fantastic. What are the, some of the examples of, of uh, how International Archaeology Day is uh, celebrated or practiced in various locations that you've been able to monitor? Uh, Well, it's it's a whole range of things, and I will say that a lot of our international colleagues and uh, uh, have been doing uh, more. uh, I hate to say this word, more. They've been much more um, comfortable with doing things like lectures and open houses, uh, uh, primarily. Uh, So, and some of them have opened up the excavation sites uh, to folks to go in and to be able to look at uh, what's happening there. uh, but um, you know, uh, they, we had a couple other things like in Belize, they they did a, a poster competition for International Archaeology Day. Um, in uh, I think it was in Australia, they did a. Uh, sorry, let me just get through this. Um, they, they they were doing. Um, uh, they, they did, uh, I think there was lectures in Australia. So we, 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 it's interesting. What we've noticed is that uh, a lot of our international groups are doing much more uh, traditional programs, lectures and symposia and lab open houses. Uh, the groups in America are doing, uh, and Canada are doing a lot more with things like archaeology fairs, film screenings, these kayak tours and things like that. And it's, it, it, it's, it's something that we are now beginning to figure out. I think in the U.S. and Canada, we've been doing archaeological outreach for a lot longer, and I think we've, had, we've been sort of required to do it. Uh, whereas in a lot of uh, other places that we're noticing now internationally, it hasn't been as much of a, of a necessity, uh, especially in places where a lot of the archaeology is sponsored by the state, by local governments. Sure. Um, they haven't actually had to do this kind of outreach. So outreach is, I don't want to say it's a new concept, but it's something that they haven't had to worry about as much. Uh, and so I think they are now looking to us for some uh, for some guidance. Uh, and so in, in addition to sort of listing some of the programs, we've actually been talking to reps from different countries uh, who are interested in doing something but come to us saying, well, we don't know what to do. Uh, so, it's, so it's interesting in that, uh, you know, we're getting now a chance to sort of communicate with, uh, with our colleagues abroad and, and then sort of really uh, get together on this idea of, of, of doing a global outreach and getting people empowered to do that. Um, but the countries are amazing. I mean, this year we have had events in Australia, Belize, Cambodia, Canada, Ecuador, Denmark, Egypt, Germany, Iran, Italy, uh, Malta, New Zealand, South Africa. I mean, all over. There were, what, 17 countries that joined us. And the first year we had three international, uh, three countries, including the U.S., by 2012 that had gone to eight uh, and now we're up to 17. Um, so uh, I think each year, and we've talked to several other places, uh, several other people in other places who uh, by next year are hoping to join in. Uh, so I think this is, this is going to get much larger. And you were talking about participants. And so we had 15,000 in the first year, 60,000 in the second. This year we've had about 17 events from which we've got feedback. For those 17 events, we're already up to about 18,000 people. So I think this is just going to keep getting bigger, and that was the whole point of this. This was to, to, to create this sort of this critical mass that people were, would, be forced to, would be forced to notice what archaeology was and what archaeologists were doing worldwide. Uh, so, yeah, no, we're very excited by the growth, and we are going to keep pushing this uh, you know, as far as, uh, as, as it will go. 
We are going to continue this fascinating discussion with Dr. Ben Thomas on International Archaeology Day after these messages. Stay tuned, please. Your voice counts. Call toll-free 1-866-472-5787. 1-866-472-5787. VoiceAmerica.com. Voice America presents a new kind of health awareness talk show, the Sharon Kleiner Hour, Health, Environment, and the Power of Water. Show host Sharon Kleina interviews leading scientists to discover how each of us can become proactive in protecting our personal health environment in an increasingly unhealthy world. Every show offers new information that could save your life. The Sharon Kleina Hour is health from an environmental perspective, your ultimate source for a personal environmental lifestyle. Listen Mondays at 10 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel and Wednesdays at 12 noon Pacific Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Are you a single parent trying to create the balance between home life and work life? You may be running a successful business, but how are your relationships with your family and children? If you're one of the thousands of people trying to juggle it all, tune in to Straight Up with Chris, real talk on business and parenthood, hosted by Chris FSU. Chris is the portrait of the success story. Coming to the U.S. with no language skills, founding and growing several businesses, while raising his daughter from age 7 to adulthood as a single dad. Listen every Thursday at 6 p.m. Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific on Voice America Variety. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. Listening to Indiana Jones, Myth, Reality, and 21st Century Archaeology with Dr. Joseph Schuldenrein. To be a part of our discussion today, please call 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Or send an email to joseph.schuldenrein at gra-goarc.com. Now, back to the program. Hi, this is Joe Schuldenrein. We're back with a very, very special segment of uh, Indiana Jones, Myth, Reality, and 21st Century Archaeology. We are looking at the evolution uh, on the very second birthday. That's right, the number two birthday of International Archaeology Day. And uh, this program, which, as we discussed in our earlier segment, has just been a resounding success, is really the brainchild of, of my guest, Dr. Ben Thomas, and his affiliation and his ability to convince the powers that be at the uh, Archaeological Institute of America to go ahead and promote this program. And as a member of that organization, I have to tip my hat to Ben here because a lot of people associate the AIA with being sort of a very uh, thorough and energetic, but nevertheless traditional archaeological association that is very dedicated to the promotion 
promotion of knowledge and to the betterment of archaeology and, and its role in, in education and the advancement of science and the understanding of cultures of the ancient world. But we don't really necessarily associate it with a fun kind of celebration of archaeology. And so, Ben, I am assuming that you imparted a certain uh, component of your personality and character in developing this plan. And I just want to know how you convinced people and how you were able to really sort of manipulate and, and uh, promote this kind of an endeavor in an organization that's uh, really sort of traditionally considered to be staid and, and, and steady. I, mean, I don't think I'm exaggerating here, am I? And, and you know, and I, I don't want to take anything away from our our, our research and uh, you know excavation and all, and all the things that we have traditionally done, which we continue to do at a very high level. No but question. I think, sorry. No question. Yeah. I mean, absolutely. <laughs> I mean, that's what they're known for. Yeah, but I think I think you know over the and, and I think you make it sound like uh, you you make me uh, sound uh, a lot more um, uh, you know. I don't think it was that hard, actually. I think we were in a, you know, the AIA has slowly moving towards this, uh, uh, this idea of, of really sort of being much more proactive about reaching the public. And I think, you know, like I said, we've always had this idea that we need to reach the public, but typically we've done it through our lecture program, through our publications, uh, and, and, and through our local societies. Uh, but the local societies are always our outlet uh, for doing more, um, you know, some more diverse programming. Uh, uh, you know, a lot of them do still do the more traditional lectures, but there are a lot more of our local societies that are now doing what we would consider sort of more fun programming. Uh, so getting a program like this done, I will say that that first time when we proposed it as, at that point, National Archaeology Day, because we figured it would just be in the U.S. and, then, and, and, and Canada at that point because we had local societies, if we didn't have that network of local people who were willing to, as soon as we called them, say, yeah, I'll do something, uh, you know, I'll do something here. If we didn't have that network, I think it would have been a lot harder to convince uh, the, the powers that be. If I had gone into my executive director and said, we're going to start from scratch, having to do this sort of national event, I don't think it would have gone over as well as it did. But when I went in and said, look, we've already contacted some of the societies. They are, a lot of them are, are excited about doing something like this. They already do programming. What we're trying to say is, look, let's highlight what they do. Let's, let's make it a celebration. Uh, and you know what? Let's pick a day so that we can really focus our efforts on that day. And I think if we didn't have that society network, it, it wouldn't have been uh, as easy to convince, uh, convince folks to go with this. But once we had that, and I will say that part of my job once I started the AIA has been to really start working on partnerships with uh, sister organizations, with other uh, groups that have the same um, goals but maybe not, but, but, but with whom we may not have been communicating as well uh, before. Uh, and so once we had our societies on board, then it was easy for us to reach out to all these groups that we had uh, now built uh, relationships with and, and say, look, this is what we're doing. Uh, completely up to you. If you're interested, join. And, and, you know, it was amazing, the response that we got. And then, of course, they would tell their friends and their friends would tell their friends and people would hear about it because we were posting it everywhere that we could. Uh, and, and then they started calling us. Uh, and so, you know, with 14 collaborating organizations the first year, by 2012, it was 125 collaborating organizations. This year, we have over 180, uh, 180 people who are uh, organizations who are excited about uh, doing archaeological outreach uh, in their communities. And, you know, uh, it's, it's fantastic. It's, it's been um, 
but I think it all starts with that, that I, the fact that we had that network of societies that really helped us get this going. Yeah, clearly it did, and and uh, I think the message probably, as we talked about before, you now have so many more outlets for advertising the message and for bringing it out. And I, I guess my other question to you is the changes in venue, because uh, when you talk about archaeology to people, uh, they're always thinking, well, you're giving lectures and you're giving talks, you may be giving a tour of an excavation, but you are sort of translating this into a much more contemporary combination of venues, if you will, kayak trips, uh, celebrations, bringing in local societies to do things that what we did last year, for example, is we had a bunch of graduate students talk about how social media actually affects the way the uh, the transmission of the archaeological message gets delivered and how it's absorbed by people and and it was it's just so refreshing to sort of break with the traditional venue and to move it out and I think with younger people they're much more receptive to this and are you finding that that you are you're sort of planning this as you go along and that you're finding new outlets for transmitting this message as time goes on and and we're reaching a much more diverse audience absolutely we are and absolutely we are because I mean the, the even even uh, I mean a, a large number of our societies are very much uh, university based and so uh, you know in the in the in the sort of the outreach work that we were doing it became clear that there were a lot of people who were reluctant to go to universities it seemed like somehow inaccessible or not as welcoming you know uh, and so our it was a, it was very important for us to say you know what well, no we need to take this out of the universities break that sort of stereotype of this being some sort of ivory tower kind of exclusive thing uh, come up with the idea and sort of make it make people aware that and the big thing for us was to make people aware that archaeology is everywhere you don't have to go to Egypt or to Greece to do archaeology you can do archaeology no matter where you are you can get involved in archaeological projects you can get involved with archaeological uh, materials. And the other thing we wanted to, wanted to really highlight was that there are local resources. The little museum you know, down the street from you that you never thought of going to may have some incredible stuff, and we wanted, to ha- we wanted to give those folks a voice, and we wanted to connect them with the people in the community. So we've had v- events all over. Uh, I mean, uh, they do, you know, big outdoor festivals at, at, at the national parks. Uh, in, in Arizona, they do a great uh, program called Mudslinging, where the uh, local society, the AI society, teams up with a local Native American group, and they actually do this mudslinging process, which is a process of refurbishing the adobe structures you, you you create this mud and you sort of slap it on and they do this they get all these volunteers to go help them for a day to, to do things like this so you get i mean it's completely non-traditional but it's 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 participation it's experiential uh, it, it also i think really highlights the fact that archaeologists are not it's not just sort of that pith helmet wearing going off to some you know jungle area or desert somewhere, you know, digging. That's not, I mean, archaeologists do a lot more and they're involved with a lot more uh, with, with, with a whole variety of things. And so that's, that's what we were trying to get out there. We were trying to get people to see uh, that there's a lot more to archaeology than just the, 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 sort of the, the stereotypical images that you see or, uh, you know, the movies that you watch. Uh, and, and also just getting to, uh, again, like you were saying, just trying to get to as many diverse audiences as we could uh, and getting kids involved and getting... Um, Groups that are traditionally not represented in archaeology, getting them involved, uh, doing programs that would reach out to you know across all uh, you know all groups, and making something and, and getting things that were that people could participate in uh, you know on a local level. Yeah, one of the, the uh, 
problems that we've all had in doing archaeology, especially people who do a lot of North American work, is incorporating the enthusiasm, if, if you will, of the amateur groups. And I imagine that local societies are just head over heels on this thing to uh, to bring in like a local chapter, say, in Pennsylvania or, in, as you mentioned, in Arizona, uh, to bring them in and to get involved because they have so much to add, even though they're you know, not professionals, but they certainly know the archaeology of their areas better than almost anyone. Yeah, and, and it's interesting because in a lot of different states, I mean, I know uh, I have had sort of a lot of interaction with, of course, the Massachusetts Archaeological Society and uh, a little bit of the California Archaeological Associations, but these are all groups that have, yes, yeah, some professional archaeologists, but a lot of amateurs who are just interested, but through their uh, participation in these societies, they have developed uh, a set of skills that are in, invaluable uh, or could be invaluable to archaeologists. And so this is another thing that we really wanted with International Archaeology. It was a way to not only unite, uh, not only to create these public events, but we wanted to unite the sort of archaeological community through a, through a, a sort of a focal event, but also connect the archaeologists with the public and the public with the archaeologists. Get them, get this conversation going, uh, uh, and, and make it very clear that this was somewhere, you know, both groups could learn from each other, uh, and that there was a lot of incredible information out there that the archaeologists could tap into, uh, if, if they, you know, just sort of, sort of broadened their, their view in that sense. Um, so we really did want to make this, uh, a lot about, uh, communicating, communicating between the archaeologists and the public. And I, one of the questions I was having uh, that, that just struck me is, how are you getting the feedback from what's going on? <clears throat> and how are you interacting with the various societies? I mean, are they telling you, well, this is what happened in our society? We organized a picnic, or we organized an exhibit, or we did this kayak trip. How are you getting the feedback? And that, that's exactly the way. I mean, we, so we, we have a blog, uh, and we also have a, a website where... Uh, all, uh, but most people I've noticed are using the blog. So once they're done with their event, uh, we we actually everyone who uh, I should start off by saying, but everybody who signs up to do an event who, who joins us a collaborating organization, we do send them follow up forms. Uh, and so there is an official form that they fill out, telling us you know the basic, uh, giving us a basic description of how the day went, the numbers of people they had, and you know the, just the general uh, sort of the statistics or the or the details of the day. But then we also have the blog, and we encourage them all to sort of blog, uh, use our blog to put up their uh, their materials and, and, and sort of communicate through that as well. So uh, uh, it is it is uh, self-reporting, which is one of the reasons why we, you know, we get numbers. We will be continuing to get numbers for the next few weeks and into November. Uh, we will continue to get num- numbers as, uh, as groups finish up their events and then uh, submit their forms and, and contact us and, and give us information. We also ask them to send us images. So most of the time we have fairly good images of, of what happened in, uh, during the day as well in, uh, in addition to the, uh, the narrative. And we will be back with our special guest, Dr. Ben Thomas, and discuss the uh, evolution and uh, progression of international archaeology after these words. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com Join us for Cruise Views. 
an exciting behind-the-scenes look into what makes your cruise vacation tick, as well as the guests, crew, and industry experts that are the sailing force behind some of the world's top cruise offerings. Cruise Views with Ken Muscat, brought to you by MSC Cruises, will help you make the most of your travel budget. Find out more about the state-of-the-art cruise ships sailing the high seas and get the inside scoop on the latest innovations and destinations. Ken will also feature surprises, including weekly giveaways and more. Join us Fridays at 1 p.m. Eastern Time, 10 a.m. Pacific on Voice America Variety. Ready to chat about your favorite soap operas? The daytime discussion is here with Dan J. Kroll and Soap Central Live. For the past 15 years, Dan has been dishing and discussing on SoapCentral.com. And now he's taking the talk to the airwaves of the Voice America Variety Channel. You'll go behind the scenes with the biggest stars of daytime, along with guest commentary from the Soap Central columnists. And we'll take your questions and comments during our live show. Soap Central Live, every Friday at 6 p.m. Eastern Time, 3 p.m. Pacific on Voice America Variety. Come back to your senses. Imagine a radio show that will help you recover your common sense. Host Leah Brenda Smith is a health and wellness specialist who will explain techniques designed to help you recover from the stress of your life. It's all about how you respond to your thoughts. A little bit of self-awareness can go a long way in helping you to relax and enjoy your life. Tune in to Come Back to Your Senses Radio, live every Thursday at 4 p.m. Eastern Time, 1 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. Listening to Indiana Jones, Myth, Reality, and 21st Century Archaeology with Dr. Joseph Schuldenrein. To be a part of our discussion today, please call 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Or send an email to joseph.schuldenrein at gra-goarc.com. Now, back to the program. This is Joe Schildenrein, and we are back with uh, a fascinating discussion with Dr. Ben Thomas, who was basically the uh, the individual who was behind the scenes for the organization of International Archaeology Day, which has become a rousing success, not just in the United States, but all over the world, with participants uh, numbering over 60,000 in its second year, and I suspect that the numbers for this third year will be probably as good, if not even bigger. Um, and I was curious, we had been discussed during the break that the particular venues and the particular constraints, if you will, that archaeology is practiced in in various parts of the world certainly affects the way that the International Archaeology Day and the celebration of archaeology, if you will, how it's practiced and how it plays out in many parts of, of the world. In, in the U.S., of course, where uh, I guess we have sort of been uh, considered sort of the bastion of the free enterprise system, capitalism in many of its ways, shape, and form, and so the, the ability, I think, to develop organizational venues for this type of celebration are as uh, diverse as they are numerous, and uh, if you're going to spread the word for an International Archaeology Day in the U.S., you could go to state societies, you could go to universities, and everybody will come together with some kind of a different way. 
of, of practicing this and celebrating it, whereas if you went to, say, some of the European countries, which are in many cases in which uh, archaeology is regulated by state laws and, and uh, where there is, is, is clearly a much tighter control over how this is done, uh, things are different. And Ben, you were saying that because of austerity situations and the difficulties with the euro, etc., etc., things had to change and that the entire question of public outreach, which is one of the foundations of International Archaeology Day, sort of has to be recalibrated, if you will, in some of these con countries in which uh, archaeology had been traditionally funded by the state. Why don't you tell us a little bit more about that and how International Archaeology Day is affected by that? Right, and like I said, you know, uh, it, it is interesting how uh, the po politics can affect this, but... Uh, what was interesting to us was this was primarily conceived when we first thought of it. We thought of it as an American and a Canadian celebration. We figured these were the groups that we could we had the most sort of rapport with, and we could get people to do stuff and you know advertise the event and promote the event. Uh, but then when we got international interest, we started uh, talking more to international colleagues, and in fact we started going and presenting papers on uh, public outreach through an event like Archaeology Day uh, at, at, at foreign meetings. So we spoke at the European Association of Archaeologists, we spoke at the World Archaeological Congress, and we really sort of were able to, to speak to a more international uh, mix of archaeologists. And, and there were a couple of things that surprised us. Uh, for the first, the first thing that surprised us is we call this National Archaeology Day. Uh, here in the U.S. and Canada, we, that just meant nationwide. Um, whereas as soon as we took it to Europe, uh, and, and some of our uh, international colleagues, the first question was, uh, I mean, I think they interpreted it as nationalistic. So then they were saying, uh -huh. well, who's national archaeology? Uh, and, you know, so then we, we, we had to sort of step back and say, okay, so that's not going to work. And one of the big reasons, I mean, there were two reasons for changing the name to International Archaeology Day. One, because it was truly getting international, 17 countries, uh, this year. Uh, but also to make that adjustment, to make people realize that it, it wasn't about nationalism. It was really about saying, you know, everybody can participate. Um, and so that was one thing. But the other thing that we noticed was that, uh, and this I'm going to generalize here, this is not true for all European countries, uh, but for a lot of our, uh, I'm sorry, for, not, for all, all international areas, but especially for a lot of our colleagues in Europe, it was interesting because uh, a lot of our archaeological research had been funded by, uh, by, by, by the state, by the governments. Uh, and, um, you know, so your research continued and you, were, you had the funds for it and you had the permissions and the permits to work in, uh, you know, on, your, on your excavations and on your sites. Uh, and it was sort of felt like that, you know, that, that, was, that was fine and you didn't really have to worry as much about involving the public, about including the public. Whereas in the U.S., we have a slightly different uh, experience. I mean, uh, right from the beginning, I mean, we have uh, private land, uh, private uh, lands, and so landowners to deal with. We have local communities that we are interacting with. We have native groups that we are talking to. So there's always been much more of a let's tell people what we're doing, let's get people involved, let's make sure that everybody is buying into this. Uh, and I mean, this is not always how it's been, but it is really now how it is. Uh, in Europe, though, they, I think especially they were, you know, able to sort of go on without necessarily worrying too much about public outreach until more recently, especially with some of the uh, economic woes and and the collapse of the currency in you know uh, in different places um, and austerity measures being put into place. A lot of uh, money has uh, from the, the research funds have dried up. 
uh, and projects that were sort of guaranteed funding. Now people are having to struggle to find new ways of, of, uh, of funding this research uh, and uh, are beginning to realize that also, uh, so one thing is that they're beginning to realize they have to look for things like private donors, which in the past they may not have had to. Uh, the other thing is that because of the uh, uh, lack of jobs and things, people are a little bit concerned that during times of austerity, why are we funding things like archaeology? Why aren't we making sure people have jobs? Why aren't we making sure that people have food? Uh, and so I think a lot of people now have to deal with this new reality, uh, with the new reality of uh, saying there's not going to be that kind of money flowing into archaeology and that people will have to sort of uh, figure out new ways of funding research. And, of course, one of the big ways, uh, as AIA is well aware, I mean, because we are completely funded by our donors and our members, uh, one of the big ways for all these groups to fund their research is by going out to the public and saying, look, this is what we're doing, this is why it's important, and we would love for you to help us do it. Uh, and so outreach is becoming something that a lot of people are talking about. So this last year in the European Association uh, for Archaeologists meeting, there was a whole day devoted to uh, outreach, public outreach, and people talking about how things, what they were doing, and how they were getting the public involved. Uh, and there's still a little bit of a... Of a um, um, a difference because when we talk about public archaeology in the U.S., we talk about uh, you know getting the public involved in uh, I- I- you know informing them about the archaeology, sort of getting them to sort of experience things. Whereas uh, in Europe, uh, when they talk about public archaeology, they're often talking about getting the public to actually participate in an excavation or participate in the archaeological process. So they're still you know terms that need to be defined uh, and things that need to be sort of sorted out. Uh, but the idea of reaching out to the public to, to explain what we're doing, to tell them that this is important and to get their support uh, is one that I think a lot of people are getting very concerned about and interested in. Uh, and so it's, it's, it's been very fruitful to go on these uh, trips and talk to forward, to talk to our lot of our international colleagues about what we're doing here. I, I think you're right, and I think a lot of these countries uh, are, are beginning to realize that uh, without public outreach, as, as we have clearly known for the past uh, 20, 30 years, without public, uh, without public outreach, the uh, future of the profession is completely dependent on state monies. And uh, that's the kind of sort of uh, centrality that, that we don't have here in this country, for better or worse. But I think the need to be resourceful is very, very critical. So in a sense, I think what you're doing with this international archaeology day is, is sort of developing a roadmap for other nations to follow um, when when things get tough and when it's necessary to actually mobilize people to understand that uh, resources are finite and that uh, they will be called upon to help contribute. And you might as well do this in the most exciting and pleasurable way you can because, let's face it, Everybody likes archaeology. Everybody thinks it's kind of cool and neat. And I suspect that uh, you're finding that uh, people will actually open up their pocketbooks and and uh, sort of segue into this kind of support once they know exactly what their heritage is, is, is and how our particular discipline uh, facilitates education and the understanding of who we are and, and maybe even where we're going. Are you getting a lot of positive feedback from these other countries? We are getting a lot of positive feedback. It's been really interesting, actually. And now, again, a lot of the countries have been talking about, you know, it's, it's individual organizations who are who are doing sort of uh, small events. 
but the ones who are doing the events are have been. I mean, we've been getting very positive feedback about how excited people have been to, to either if it's just hearing a lecture or to participate in some sort of site visit or uh, go through a display uh, of photographs. Or uh, we have been getting a lot of good feedback. Uh, and you know, and it's interesting because we talked to our Hungarian colleagues uh, a few months ago, and they have now established a Hungarian. Um, Archaeology Day, uh, and they're doing it in September. And then over time, they would love to be able to then uh, join with us as well. Uh, so you know, our and again, there's the idea of International Archaeology Day again goes down to that basic celebration of archaeology, making people aware of what it is that we do and where we do it and how we do it, and also that where the resources are. So for us, the more people that take this and run with it, the better. I mean, that's, that's fantastic to hear things like that, that people are now planning their own archaeology days and they're trying to get you know, things going. What about in the developing world? Are you finding any cooperation, any enthusiasm, any positive response, or is it a little too early for that? Because as we all know, some of the greatest archaeological treasures and sites and resources are in the developing world, and uh, certainly to bring in that sector of the world population is, is, is something that's no small feat. And something that I think we we will all agree that eventually heritage tourism and preservation are, will sort of be the backbone of a lot of the developing countries where uh, resources are critical and uh, ecotourism may actually be sort of a wave of the future. How 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 are you? Uh, getting responses from those people. You know, it's it's mixed. I mean, we're certainly getting a lot of interest. A lot of people are contacting us, and so we're getting, you know. I mean, this year we do have a lot of countries from Central America, including, you know, Ecuador and Belize, and, uh, you know, and then we have places abroad, uh, you know, places like Iran that are doing events. Uh, Egypt did an event. Uh, and these are all countries that maybe not, even if they're not developing countries, they're sort of in turmoil right now and things going on there. And yet, Archaeology is still seen as something important, something that can bring uh, a greater awareness of the area, that can uh, sort of uh, highlight things that have been happening in the region, uh, and, and brings sort of a positive story, a positive focus to a lot of these places. Uh, and so we, 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 we're getting some places participating, but we're getting a lot of interest. So I had folks from Albania call me and, or, or email us and talk about how we can plan something for a future year. Uh, a lot of interest from India. I don't think they actually had an event this year, but, you know, so it's, it's, it's getting out there. And as we get the word out there, I think more and more people are, are beginning to pay attention. We also find that after we're done with all this and we're just sort of scanning media, um, uh, you know, I'm just looking for mentions of National Archaeology Day. There are a lot of places that are doing events that they're tagging at National Archaeology Day that are not necessarily reporting on our website. Uh, so I think a lot of people are 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 engaged. Um, you know, now it's our job to sort of figure out how we can accurately and more efficiently track all this and and, and get the word out there. Um, but I think you know, there's there's definitely more interest, and we're getting it from all over. And we'll be back with our final segment on International Archaeology Day after these messages. Stay tuned. Stimulating talk gets those synapses in the brain inspired really fast. All the time. The number one Internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com Conservation starts with us. Learn about environmental concerns each week when you tune in to Our Wild World with host Ellie Weiss. 
Our show centers on Africa each week and what's being done to save our wildlife, ecology, and ourselves. However, we'll also discuss what's going on closer to home. And most importantly, we'll let you know what can be done in our own backyards by featuring guest experts and featuring your questions and answers. Listen every Monday morning at 8 a.m. Pacific Time, 11 a.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. There are over 140 million products manufactured worldwide. It is impossible to know the ingredients in these products, especially those made overseas. Stan Salat, Jr., President and CEO of the HSF Mark and the Counterfeit Mark Alliance, is the host of People to People, working together for your safety. Stan believes in our right to know the type and amount of hazardous materials in consumer products and whether they are counterfeit. Find out how you can protect yourself every Tuesday at 2 p.m. Pacific Time, 5 p.m. Eastern on Voice America Variety. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com Listening to Indiana Jones Myth, Reality, and 21st Century Archaeology with Dr. Joseph Schuldenrein. To be a part of our discussion today, please call 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Or send an email to joseph.schuldenrein at gra-goarc.com. Now, back to the program. I'm Joe Children Ryan, and we're back with our special guest, Dr. Ben Thomas of the Archaeological Institute of America, and we are discussing the uh, resounding success of International Archaeology Day, which is um, now going into its third year, and we were talking during the break at how fast this idea took hold and and Ben was telling me that obviously it involved the cooperative arrangements and the support of a number of individuals to activate it and and to make it extend as extensively as it has gone to date and obviously we had talked earlier in the program in case you missed it the uh, surge in social media has been very powerful in expanding the message and, and, and radiating its significance across the archaeological world and really into sectors that it would normally not have touched. Ben, ben why don't you tell us a little bit about your support team and your network and how you've been able to do so much in so little time with, with this wonderful infrastructure that you seem to have developed up in Boston. Well, I mean, you know, we've been certainly have been fortunate to be working in a great, uh, you know, I've been, I've been working in an organization that said, when we came up with the idea, when I came up with the idea, said, go for it, you know, go ahead and do this. And then, so that support has been invaluable. But then uh, added to that is I have, uh, I have, uh, as director of programs, I have a staff uh, of two or three folks, full-time folks that, that I've just you know, do a tremendous amount of work with the planning and the organization of this, 
uh, one of our senior pro our senior program coordinator Meredith Lang which does an incredible job just you know getting everything organized and getting marshalling all our resources together and we have a whole uh, you know four or five work study students from, from Boston University who are doing a tremendous job of posting these events all you know any uh, like I said when we started this and even now we don't have a budget for this we do this all you know cheap uh, and uh, so we post on all the free sites out there we make sure the word gets out where we can we do a lot of Facebook and they're tweeting they're writing up blog articles I mean they're doing a tremendous amount of work to keep all this going and to get the word out there and then of course our societies our society officers are fantastic you know helping us uh, coordinating their society to go out and do these things so you know it's, a, it's an extensive network of, of just very people who are very excited about what they do and are committed to doing this and love the idea of taking this out to the public and without that you know this just wouldn't be this just wouldn't happen so uh, so that's 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 been uh, you know the, one of the, the big reasons why we can keep this going um and I'm just, I'm just, I just see this, this network is just growing, and you know, I guess getting more and more people involved in this. So I think, uh, you know, we do it with a very sort of small staff in Boston, uh, but really the the bulk of the work is being done by all these wonderful people around the world and around the U.S. and Canada who are actually doing the events. How do you see it growing in the near future? Where, what directions is it going to take? How are you going to extend to uh, parts of the world or regions that have not yet been affected or which are sort of on the cusp of expanding their own archaeological venues and, and platforms? How, how, how do you plan to follow that? Yeah, so, I mean, this is all, I mean, our goal has always been uh, to really get this event so to, the, to, to, to be at a size and a scale that people have to pay attention to us. You know, you had mentioned earlier on, you were talking, you said, you know, archaeology is fascinating. People are fascinated with archaeology. But I think there are a lot of people in the U.S. and abroad who don't really understand what it is that archaeology does or what archaeology right. archaeologists is about. So we, you know, we've done always these surveys that talk about how you know, a significant portion of the American public think that you know archaeologists dig up dinosaurs. There's a there there are, there are groups of people who think that we personally benefit or profit from the finds that we have uh, that that we uncover. Uh, there are a lot of misconceptions, and then you have shows you know, on TV like American Digger, things that are talking about. Uh, you know, metal detecting essentially, or, or treasure hunting, and, and sort of presenting it as archaeology. So there's a lot of misconceptions, and our idea had always been to create something positive and large that people would have to notice, and people would have to ask us, or would have to sort of say, "Oh, so this is what archaeology is. So this is what archaeologists do." As our network grows, I think we will we will just. You know, we will find people in all these different areas that we can communicate with. As 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 more attention is paid to the event, as different people start talking about it, as it's being publicized through different uh, avenues uh, in different countries, I think more and more people will recognize it. And we'll continue to go out to international conferences and talk to people. We will continue to, you know, actively sort of uh, make make connections uh, in countries that haven't been represented yet. Uh, you know, uh, we have we will we will we will. Continue to expand this network, uh, but I think word of mouth and, 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 and just getting some media attention will help us a lot in getting to these places that, that haven't participated yet, not, I think, because of a, uh, a lack of interest, but maybe simply because they haven't heard about it yet. Uh, and I think when they do and when they hear about a very positive celebration, this idea that, you know, a lot of the, a lot of the, sort of the, uh, the, the work, the sort of the background has, work has been done, the foundational work, 
They simply have to sort of sign on and do something and we'll help with the publicity and we'll help getting the word out there. I think a lot more people will participate. And I just imagine, so that's our goal. Our goal is really to increase the number of collaborating organizations out there, to increase the number of events, to increase the geographic, geographic distribution of the events, uh, and just, you know, continue to push this through uh, social media because that seems to be the way we can get to uh, the entire world. I mean, people you know, are, are, are coming, are, are wishing us happy archaeology day from Morocco and Egypt and, you know, all around the world. We've been getting the posts on our Facebook uh, uh, pages, so it's, it's been great. And I suppose that uh, a sidebar to all of this is the need and the almost imperative nature of expanding outreach programs because that goes hand in hand with spreading the word and ultimately with getting funding for doing the kind of work that, that we're, we're hoping to do in the foreseeable future as well. Absolutely. I mean, uh, the fact that you know we've been doing archaeology for years, for, for centuries now, and yet there is still uh, considerable misconceptions, considerable misunderstandings of what it is that we do. So obviously we need to take a, a, a much more, uh, we need to make a lot more efforts to take a much more proactive role in reaching out to the public and explaining what it is that we do. And, and there's constantly sort of people... Uh, questioning why we would spend money on this. Just recently, there was uh, questioning um, by uh, members of Congress about uh, NSF funding and why some of the NSF funding was going towards archaeological projects. And I think it's because fundamentally people don't understand what it is that archaeology can do for us. I mean, absolutely, there's this, this idea about understanding the past and about connecting with your tradition, with your heritage. All that's true, but uh, the, the, the big thing that I keep telling folks is archaeology is, is a way to understand human behavior, and this, all this information we're collecting is just a database of human behavior. It's how people act, how people react to changes, how people react to changes, environmental changes, political changes. We have all this information that we should be using in all these different ways to help us with what we're doing today and what we will be doing in the future. I mean, this is human behavior, a database of human behavior that people spend, you know, do surveys now to collect. They'll do all sorts of things to get that information. And we have so much of it from the past, and yet we're not using it. Or we're not you know, able to use it in the in the ways I think we can we can use this. So uh, certainly we need to we need to make more of an effort to get the word out there. We also need to to help people understand or just or, or make more of a point of explaining to people why we do what we do and why it can be extremely useful uh, as we go forward. And on that note, uh, we're going to have to close our program. I want to extend my very special thanks to Dr. Ben Thomas on a very positive note, looking forward in archaeologies to archaeology's horizons in the immediate future, and uh, really sort of looking at a, a fairly bright future as as we move along. Thanks to the work of of people like Dr. Ben Thomas. Ben, thanks so much for being part of our program, and to all of you out there, thank you, and we will see you again next time. Thank you. again for tuning in to Indiana Jones Myth, Reality, and 21st Century Archaeology with Dr. Joseph Schuldenrein. Please join us for another unique journey into the past next Wednesday at 3 p.m. Pacific Time, 6 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. In the meantime, think about the past with an eye towards the future and a better tomorrow. Tomorrow.